This podcast is recorded on the ancestral lands of the Tongva people. Welcome to the Create Well podcast, where we explore the intersections of creativity, wellness, and entrepreneurship. I'm Erica Yvonne, artist, wannabe athlete, and a very messy minimalist. <laughs> you can find my work on IG at, at Erica Elon. I'm Ray Saragosa, musician, also a messy minimalist, right? or a like maximalist in denial. I don't know. <laughs> Either one. Stuck um, between the two. <laughs> um, a freelance writer, mm-hmm. uh, published. Amazing. <laughs> oh, roller skater. Um, you can find my work on IG at Ray Saragosa. Um, on this week's episode, we will be talking about rhythms, rituals, and healthy habits in creativity and wellness, featuring Ayurvedic practitioner Anjali Deva. They said if I want to make it, gotta starve and stress and sell. But if I'm gonna be an artist, well, I want to create well. Yeah, you gotta create well. Here we are, episode nine. Amazing. We have to do something for episode 10, though. I know, like that a birthday party. Right? Yeah, we should so get a cake. So fun. This has defined our summer. I know. It's really cool. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. Yeah. It's so fun. I don't oh, And just I just want to say thank you to those that have been sharing this and um, engaging with the content. I think... It's just really encouraging to see those of you that this these topics resonate with and um, have have meaning in your daily practices, too. It's such an honor. And the shares are like how you can support us. So we really, really appreciate it. Thank you. We so do. And I actually I wanted to open up right now our Apple podcasts because I wanted to read a couple reviews. Yes, please. And just to thank everyone. Um, So let's see. Okay, here we go. One star rate. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We'll start with the worst to the the best. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay, here we go. Someone, Park Ridge DDS, wrote important conversations we all create in our lives. You don't need to paint or sing to relate to the important conversations that Erica and Ray are having. And I love their challenges at the end of each episode. It helps us walk the walk and navigate this sometimes confusing world. Thank you so much, Parkridge DDS. That Yay. is so sweet. Um, oh my gosh. I feel like I know who this is. <laughs> I feel like I know who everyone this, is. <laughs> this one was written by, quote, Sushi Professor. Oh my gosh, amazing. <laughs> the material is fresh and relevant to the world of combining artistry, wellness, and entrepreneurship. I love the personable and comfortable style this podcast makes you want to tune in every week. Um, And this was called Relevant and Applicable Material. I have to guess that Sushi Professor is my mother. Shocking. Shocking. (laughs) Because um, she's a professor. She really is. And... um, and She's sends the in- most encouraging <laughs> notes and words. I remember we were on a phone call with her regarding oh, she she was just giving teaching. us some advice. Yeah. She was teaching and it was it was amazing. She's so teaching all about finance and investment. <clears throat> She's the best. Um and yeah, she's from Japan, so that's why she loves I mean, that's not why she loves sushi, but that kind of <laughs> makes the sushi part make sense as well. Um 
And I'll read one more. Someone wrote a much-needed podcast, uh, Sue Jean A. Hey, Sue Jean A. Um, what a great start to the Create Well podcast series. The idea of artists thriving seems to be an oxymoron. This is not what we are taught. Thank you for diving in and starting this conversation. I look forward to hearing more. Thank you so much, uh, Sue Jean A. That means so much. Um, yeah, we're just so excited and grateful. Um, and this is just the beginning. So yeah, here we go, everyone. Here we go. So um, today I had a chance to listen to your interview with the wonderful Anjali Deva yeah. last night. And it was so informative. So I'm excited for everyone yeah. to hear it because mm-hmm. it opens up the store. I really didn't know what Ayurvedic practice was. Mm-hmm. And it makes so much sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited about this uh, interview because I think that it's a little different from some of the other interviews. We've interviewed a lot of artists and musicians. Yeah. Um, and Anjali is a wellness practitioner. Right. So this is like we're diving into more of the wellness as well as, you know, we've dived into a lot of the creativity. Um, and as we know, this all is interlaced. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm really excited about it. We talked a lot about, um, rhythm and rituals and habit. Um, yeah. and I think that those are things that are very important to artists and things that get overlooked because a lot of times, like we've said on the pod, feeling like to be an artist, you have to be, um, just like kind of like messy and, and rolling with the wind and, not really on a schedule and just moving when inspiration comes to you and staying up until five in the morning and a lot of things that um, are really uh, not aligned with the Ayurvedic way of life. And uh, Anjali will talk a bit more about Ayurveda, but um, for me, just to speak from my own experience with Ayurveda, um, Ayurveda really is, um, it's a, it's a, it's a way of life. It's a practice. It's a way of looking at food. Um, kind of like look, you look at food as a way of healing, almost like food is medicine. Mm. Um, and um, you look first to like holistic and whole and like ways from the earth to heal yourself. Um, mm. And it's uh, everything is connected, you know, right. your body, your mind, the food you put in your body, the stresses that you have. Um uh, when we, if I came to Anjali with a stomach ache, she would look at it from every angle. Um, okay, what kind of stress did you have this week? What did you eat this week? Um, what environments were you in this week? Um, looking at things from like a whole, a whole way around. Um, and I came to Anjali uh, about two, almost two years ago, or a year. Ooh, oh my gosh, maybe a year, year and a half. I can't remember. Um, when I was really suffering from some really terrible bloating and um, terrible stomach aches, um, mm. headaches, um, general uh, anxiety, chest pains. Um, and this was while you were touring. This was right? while I was touring. Mm. And um, I was just, uh, I was not, I was not in a good place. But it was weird because I was like so happy about what I was doing, but my body was just like suffering. And um, and she really, really helped me because um, I've always I haven't loved feeling like the only way to heal myself is through 
um, Western medicine or through um, a diet or anything like that. That has really been hard for me personally. No shade on Western medicine. I don't think Western medicine has a (laughs) amazing place in our (laughs) society. Um, But for me, like everything that I was dealing with was not like diagnosable from like a Western standpoint. It was like maybe like it wasn't that it wasn't severe enough to to need medicine. I mean, there were tons of medicines I could have taken, but um, well, it, you know it what I mean? It sounds like yeah. it had more to do again with this idea of the rhythm of your life, yeah, and the ways that you were walking through your day, whether mm-hmm. that was food or movement yeah. or sleep. And yeah. she touches on all of those. Mm-hmm. And so, what resonated with me so much was this idea that I've sat with for a couple of years, and and seen again when it was out Mm. of practice of Mm. studio rhythms and of life rhythms that keep me grounded and keep me healthy. Um, And she just kind of brings it to a different level. (laughs) Yeah, she really brings to light how important it is to have rhythm and ritual and good habit and to know yourself and to know that a good ritual and habit and rhythm is different for each person right and um she'll touch you'll hear about it in the interview but she touches upon the doshas and like the different um constitutions of different people Mm. um but anyway um she'll tell you more about ayurveda but for you erica yes (laughs) um what are some what's like your relationship with rhythm ritual and habit and yeah yeah what is your relationship to it what is my relationship yeah. to it? Um, so when it comes to art, like I was saying, I actually use the word rhythm, studio rhythm mm-hmm. a lot. And I've yeah. talked about that with a lot of other artists. And I've actually written out all of my studio rhythms multiple times. And I'm like, there are a lot of these. <laughs> like when I'm creating in the what I feel is the healthiest way, it tends to have a lot of patterning to it. Mm-hmm. Not So I'm not naturally, and we were just discussing this I'm not naturally a structured person I'm Mm -hmm. I even though I may be minimalist or I may like be able to organize you know my work schedule or things like that structure doesn't come naturally it takes a lot of intention Uh for me um and I like changing things all the time me too so for my studio practice I've found that just like like you said, flying off the cuff and like mm-hmm. only working when inspiration strikes right? does obviously not work. Mm-hmm. And and I think there are limited times where it does, but yeah. not in a sustainable way. Right. So very technically, logistically, some of the studio practices that I know I've written down in the past, like will be things like lighting a candle, mm-hmm. which feels significant as an element in Ooh. the space. So like once you start, yeah, you're like candles lit Mm -hmm. studio like (laughs) you got like the lights on time to go it's kind of like um at a radio station when it's like we're on the air or like you know that's like your candle is like we're on the air go (laughs) i love we're live we're We're live everybody yes (laughs) the studio is alive exactly so lighting a candle is really simple I have a particular playlist that's it's actually on my Spotify if you want it it's like all soundscapes and that's really helpful for my space um opening all the windows Mm -hmm. like all the natural Mm -hmm. light very important Mm -hmm. this is why I can't paint at night um and stretching breaks I'll set timers on my phone like we love timers yes Mm -hmm. all these things I've I know there's like a million more but 
they're what puts me in a space of knowing I have the time and the ability to be making right then. Yes. And if I don't do them, I can feel out of touch with Mm -hmm. my practice or like I should be doing something else Mm -hmm. because often painting, you know, can feel, sometimes it can feel futile to me. So creating a space where it feels intentional and important Mm -hmm. is really necessary. Yeah. You know, it's like you're creating your office space. Yeah. Like you're clocking in. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and you have these rituals to tell your body, hey, like we're on, yes. we're clocking in. And I think that's like a big misconception when it comes to um, creative entrepreneurs or cr- creative um, business people. They, pe- I think when I was younger, many other artists too, it's like, I want to get into art and creativity and music or whatever because I don't have a boss. Yeah, nobody to tell you what no to do. No one to tell you what to do. But here's the thing. <laughs> The way to succeed is to tell yourself what to do and to be your own boss, to really be your own boss though. Mm. And so I think that, um, you know, like both of us, we've had, it's very foreign to have deadlines, like actual deadlines where it's like someone's actually like, you need to do this by this day. Usually I create my own deadlines, but creating deadlines for yourself can go a very long way. Um, and really holding yourself accountable and getting into that rhythm and setting a timer is like a short-term deadline. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I said, it's funny cause my, my phone will literally suggest, are you, it's blah, blah, blah time. Like set right. a 20 minute timer timer every morning. I do 20 minutes of journaling. I set a timer mm. for that. And then 20 minutes of meditation, set a timer for that. And, um, and I try to every single morning um, set a 30 minute timer to write a song. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm always writing additionally to that, but that is just like every morning. So like no matter what happens during the day, if I'm like doing all kinds of other stuff, at least I had those, um, those deadlines and I met them. And so you have this sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, me and you, we've talked a little bit about the elements and one, one day we'll have to have a, a uh, episode about elements. Um, and uh, the five elements, you know, are like wood, water, earth, metal, and fire. And the element that is really structured is metal. Mm-hmm. And both of us are lowest in metal. Right. So this is like a test you can take. Yes. It's like if you've ever, I, it's funny because I use the Enneagram so yeah. much and you use the element <laughs> test so much and everybody kind of has their own yeah. thing that they Got use. I but I love yours, especially yeah. that they connect to, um, you know, these elements of the earth. And mm-hmm. yeah, we're both low in metal. And you've been explaining to me that mm-hmm. that means that we aren't naturally structured people. Right. We're not naturally structured people. But because of that, right. a little bit of structure goes mm-hmm. a long way. It does. Yeah. And so um, actually, if um, we'll have to post um, this, we'll post the uh, quiz in yeah. like a post and in the notes. But if you take the quiz and you're low in metal, um, like me and Erica and like my, my little brother, um, I was talking to Roman about how um, if you get into a stress state, you know, where you're like mm-hmm. frantic or you're anxious or blah, blah, to one thing that could really help is to like clean yeah. or like do something structured. Yeah. It'll like kind of bring you down because when you're so low in structure and you need it. Oh but, my um, gosh. Yeah. And um, yeah. Are there any other 
uh no i think rituals. that resonates i think um we should we should do another episode on rhythms too because yeah. i'm like oh there's so many things from sleeping to yeah. what you wear to like there's all these totally. like aspects of our life that um certain rhythms are so healthy with yeah but, and to be one with like the rhythms of like earth like right now we're yes. going through a change of season Yes. And the change of seasons can be really hard on the body because mm-hmm. we're it's, it's a huge shift. And to like kind of be kind to yourself as like that rhythm goes and to do like, I don't know, some kind of ritual for the change of the season or, or right. eat what's in season or really like go with um with the change, you know? That's so interesting too, because even yesterday I went paddle boarding in the evening mm-hmm. and I was I started feeling anxious about it because I'm like, am I not going to be able to do this for much longer? Because is uh, it going to be too cold or is it going to uh, be raining or whatever? And so even there's like so many technical changes right. to seasons yeah. moving along and they require us to shift with them. Yeah. Um, so so framing that in healthy ways mm-hmm. is so important. Right. Um, yeah, but I feel like Anjali opens all this up in a great way. Yeah. And we need to talk about this again um, yeah. in another episode soon. Totally. I'm so excited. We're going to hear the, um, the interview with Anjali in just a moment. And um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I should kind of talk about in terms of Ayurveda. But mm. um, if you if you don't know what Ayurveda is, I encourage you to look it up and, and, and learn more. There's only so much we can really share um, in this short pod episode. But um yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wonderful, and um, should we just hear the the poem? We should hear the uh, the interview. Interview. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Hello, Anjali. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited. I talking to you is always the highlight of my week. So this is so cool that we get to chat in a different format. Um, And so anyway, uh, for everyone listening, I already kind of gave an overview of how I know you in the intro. So um, I'd love if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work and what you do and what your wellness, um, you know, relationship is as well in creativity and entrepreneurship. Just love to give a an overview of who you are. <laughs> sure, sure. So my name is Anjali Deva, and I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner in Los Angeles. So I really focus on what I consider to be an integrative form of Ayurveda. So I really try to blend together um, counseling, traditional Ayurvedic practice, meditation, herbs and just things that I've collected over the years to help make a little bit more of a integrative approach to a really traditional practice because Mm -hmm. Ayurveda, you know, historically is at least 5,000 years old. So a lot of the practices can feel um, a little bit outdated when we Mm -hmm. study them. I think in part also because Ayurveda wasn't really able to be practiced in India while there was a British rulership. Wow. So it's it's having a revival, a renaissance, I think. Mm, cool. <laughs> and yeah. And you know, I really like to 
consider myself a part of that and the way that I practice Ayurveda, mm-hmm. helping to make it accessible to mm-hmm. those of us who live a more modern lifestyle but still mm-hmm. want to be in contact with these holistic practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I grew up with it. As you know, my dad's an Ayurvedic practitioner, mm-hmm. but I also had like a whole other half of my life that really had nothing to do with Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. So when I was 20... I, 10 years ago, I decided Mm -hmm. that I was kind of just going to jump off of the deep end and start studying Ayurveda, go to Mm -hmm. school for it. And, um, you know, that's taken me on a long journey. I've traveled to India many times to study with teachers there and get my own treatment and study with Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of different schools and teachers here and really try to figure out how to bring these practices to life for those of us who you know, want to still be a part of our modern lives and have contact with these really traditional practices. Amazing. And, you know, my life has been changed by Ayurveda. And before we get into that, I would love just for you to give us like a brief, like spark notes overview of the doshas and what like Ayurveda is. Sure. So um, the way that I do that quickly is like how I teach it to kids. So So it might be like a little reductionistic for all my purists out there, but I think it's fun. Um, So Ayurveda is a traditional mind-body science and there's a lot of different aspects to it. But one of the main kind of theories in it is something called the doshas. And the Mm -hmm. doshas are like constitutions, temperaments, different energies that we all have, but we're going to be predominant in one or two. Sometimes we have all three, but we're all going to have a different kind of um, makeup of how these live in us. So the first one is called Vata, and it's Mm. a combination of air and space. And I think about it like a butterfly. Mm. So, you know, it's this really effervescent, fast-moving, excitable, energetic, creative, just oof, exciting, Mm. right? Like a butterfly. Yes. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then out of balance, it might be like a butterfly that had too much sugar. So it's kind of like, (laughs) you know, just running around flying really fast and super excited until like it hits burnout. (laughs) Yeah. That's me. (laughs) So that's Vata. Uh, The second is Pitta, which is uh, fire and a little bit of water. So I think about it in the natural world more about like the tiger. It's this really sharp, focused, dedicated, heated, forward moving, Um, energy, capacity, kind of like a tiger. You know, they get a lot of rest, Mm. but once they're awake and they're hunting, they're so clear, right? I love that. And so, yeah, that kind of like intensity and drive comes with Pitta. And then, you know, you can also think about like a tiger who's maybe really hungry and got a little bit hangry and Mm -hmm. is irritable and impatient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that might be a little bit more of like when you go out of balance. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's kappa, which is earth and water. And to me, kappa is like a sweet baby elephant who just is like following mom around and playing in the water and just like enjoying life and moving Mm -hmm. slow and carefree, empathic and no worries. And then out of balance, it might be like, you know, mom left and it's really sad and it kind of, it's frozen. It doesn't know what to do. It doesn't know how to move forward. It's scared. Um, And so out of balance, it might get a little bit stuck. It might get a little bit stagnant. It might have trouble knowing what to do. Mm. 
So in Ayurveda, we use these three doshas to figure out what a person's individual makeup is when they're healthy mm-hmm. and then which way they're going when they're out of balance. Because you could be a combination of any of them in any way. There's right. a lot of creativity in that. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. And so, you know, for everyone listening who knows who knows me, maybe a little bit or a lot of it, I am Pitta is like my constitution but I have a vata imbalance. And so (laughs) how that manifests for me is that, you know, I totally identify with that tiger. I like to sleep a lot. Um, I am very driven, but then sometimes I get this like frenetic, frantic energy that I'm always trying to pacify, which has really, um, I've really been able to use Ayurveda as a way to, um, to tame that, you know? And so it's really incredible and how, um, I'd love for you to speak to like the different like lifestyle, um, like how Ayurveda is about like it's not only about food, but it's also about lifestyle. It's also about so many different things. And um, for people who are new to Ayurveda, like what are like a few small tangible like lifestyle things that they can incorporate into their lives and that's like that brings like an Ayurvedic uh, lifestyle mm-hmm. into their everyday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it's certainly Ayurveda is heavy on food, but what doesn't get as much um, attention is the lifestyle practices. Mm -hmm. And one of them is called Dinacharya, which Mm -hmm. means daily routines, or I like to say daily rituals. And it's sort of the way that we line ourselves up with the environment around us on a daily basis. So really simple is like how we sleep when the sun goes down and how we wake Mm -hmm. up when the sun rises because, you know, the tendency is for us, especially during this time of stay at home to kind of go out of balance and stay up really late and Mm -hmm. sleep in late. And our circadian rhythm goes out of balance. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it affects our digestion, it affects our mood, it affects our immunity. So I've read a ton of really interesting studies just on a person's ability to regulate their physiological function. So again, digestion, hormones, mood, immunity, just by changing their sleep-wake cycles. So yeah, so maybe like a, a hypothetical ideal would be sleeping like 10 to 5 or nine to five going to bed, you know, when it's dark out and waking up as close to the sun rising as you can get. I love that. I have a nine to five sleep schedule, everyone. Sleep <laughs> nine to five. I, I'm, I love that. And it has absolutely changed my life to go to bed early and wake up early. Um, and, yeah, it, and, and it's, it's like the natural, just like kind of going with what the earth is telling us to do in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting too, because as we're, you know, today's the equinox, right? So we have half day, half night, half light, half dark. And so our sleep schedule changes with yeah. the fall because in the mm-hmm. summertime, we have so much less nighttime, mm-hmm. you know, and so we sleep a lot differently in the summertime. We don't need as much as we do in the fall or the winter. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Um, amazing. So I also, I know you were saying that you had like this whole half of your life that like wasn't, you know, like when you turned 20, everything changed and you got into the Ayurvedic um, world. And so I'd love to hear about how that adjustment was for you and how, if that felt like natural or very difficult and um, how that like whole reckoning and that change inside of you was um, 
and just like to walk me through that a little bit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, and you know me, I'm very honest. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it was so hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I remember I was 20, 21 and I was going to Ayurveda school and I was still very much living like a kind of regular lifestyle, you know, mm. trying to eat healthy, but not really. My sleep schedule was all over the place. Mm-hmm. I was working freelance jobs, like everything just Mm -hmm. felt very vatha, very Mm -hmm. erratic all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to Ayurveda school and I remember feeling like they just handed us, you know, our textbooks. And I remember feeling like, oh my God, this textbook is so traumatizing. Mm -hmm. It is like listing out everything that I'm doing wrong. Wow. (laughs) You know, it was like, I'm not sleeping right. I'm not eating right. I'm not breathing right. Like I'm not taking herbs. It was just this long list. It was so overwhelming. Um, And, you know, it's been a chipping away process. Truthfully, it's been chipping and chipping and chipping. And now 10 years later, I can say like, whoa, I'm really where I hoped I would be 10 years ago. You know, I think when we start out on the journey of wellness, we have Mm -hmm. such big goals for where we want to be. And I really like to set small goals because it's Mm -hmm. important for us to have victories. So we stay on the path. Yes, absolutely. And it's a really (laughs) important thing to hear for like all of our listeners who may be very new to wellness. Um, And I think that a lot of creatives, um, not to be general creatives out there, but just coming from my experience, I feel we've always felt like there is this like feeling that if you're a creative, that like self-care is like really extravagant and indulgent and that um, to be a creative person and to stay up all night writing songs or to go on tour and to never sleep and drink a lot and just like kind of be like rock and roll is somehow tied to creativity when I think that wellness can have a really incredible relationship to creativity and to um, and to art and to artistic careers. And so it really is inspiring to me to hear that your adjustment was difficult Because no matter where you are in your wellness journey, um, it's possible. I mean, for me, it was so difficult and it's still difficult. (laughs) Um, You know, I came to to you, like I came to Anjali when I was suffering from crazy bloating and indigestion and headaches and I was touring full time and I was just, I refused to take care of myself because I felt like that was going to slow me down. And I think that sometimes as creatives, um, and as entrepreneurs and as uh, people who are our own bosses, we feel like somehow wellness is going to slow us down, which truly, truly, it will only speed us up because we can move in more intentional ways and in more mindful ways. And so I wanted to ask you, my question is a two-part question, but one, <laughs> is it possible to be both mindful and driven and entrepreneurial? And um, how do you balance wellness and living a low stress, as low stress of a life as you can, while also promoting and growing your practice and your business. Mm, great questions. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, I think, is that y- y- what you named is that this practice of self care can often feel indulgent, uh, can feel 
like you're putting yourself first in a really challenging way. And for me, a lot of the work that I've had to do around that to make sense of it is to really understand my sort of privilege and my ancestral lineage, which is that you know, I'm really the first generation that isn't fighting to survive in my family, you know? And so I have the opportunity where I have a home, I have food, I have safety, I have all of the things that I need. So I I actually have an opportunity that previous generations didn't. Mm. And I feel very fortunate to have that because I can you know, take an afternoon bath or make Mm -hmm. sure that I'm in bed by 10 o'clock every night. You know, it's not necessarily survival in the same way. And I think that that's a lot of patterning and conditioning that our brain is sort of hardwired to believe because previous generations for most of us had to do that. So I think a lot of it is really accepting, you know, your place in your ancestral lineage and how how you actually have some ability in your life to make different choices Mm -hmm. and that we can act more from a wise place than a place of survival. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with creativity and entrepreneurship, it can feel a little bit like it comes from maybe a scarcity mindset or is in some way tied to that really effervescent Vatha energy where I know I've like in the past and still sometimes have experiences where my creativity needs to feel kind of frenetic and top of a roller coaster and adrenalized (laughs) and, you know, all of those things for it to feel real. But in truth, when I sit with myself and I think about self-care and my true practice of like sustainable creativity, the quality of it is so different. The quality of being able to wake up every day at five and have three hours to myself to mm. just be, be myself, mm. create, uh, truly practice self-care mm. in not an indulgent way, but in a necessary way. Mm. I think it changes the quality of creativity. So mm. So for me, I guess to answer your question is that, you know, it's understanding the privilege that I hold in my ancestral line and the way in which I really want to make the most out of that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that means trying to figure out how to make my creative practice sustainable. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And so when you look back at like the ancient texts, they talk about the morning time being the quietest time, the clearest time, the most peaceful time, and that that's the best time to do your self ref- self reflective practices mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to do your creative practices so i really take that to heart i you know i don't think that they wrote it down 5000 years ago for no reason <laughs> mm-hmm. i i love mornings um so much and <laughs> i'll shout out my friend joey montoya with urban native era this clothing company he gets mm-hmm. up at like 4 every day Mm-hmm. Um, and he start and he starts all his creativity and his design work at like 4 a.m. Um, and I think that's really incredible. I get up at like 5:30 and I'm like, I'm oh, sleeping in compared to Joey. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really it. Really is about that quality, you know. And mm-hmm. I think we all can kind of reflect on that and remember that creativity does not need to be this vata frantic thing at all times. It can be sometimes and that's okay, but it doesn't always have to be. And what I wanted to ask you too about something that you said, um, you know, I think that it's a very common feeling amongst, um, you know, women of color, people of color in our generation that we, a lot of us in our families, we are the first um, generation to not be 
uh, struggling to survive. Um, and in, in the past, have you ever felt that like survivor's guilt or that guilt of being in a better place than your ancestors or than uh, your parents and your grandparents? And have how have you ever, how have you overcome those feelings and to not let that guilt overcome you and to always remember that there's like a reason you're here and there's like a reason you have this time and that self-care is something that um, your ancestors would want you to do. Like how do, how do you um, <laughs> battle that like survivor's guilt? Yeah, that's a ever? great question. It's a great question. Um, I certainly have and I certainly do and it's still a process that I'm working through. Um, but for me, it's really about – well, a lot of things. One of them I would say is that it's really about sitting in my meditation and asking, you know, why, why is it that I chose this life? Why is it that I chose to be a part of this lineage? And I can spend time being stuck in guilt, or I can allow myself to really actually take the opportunity and make my ancestors proud, make them feel like, you know, however they lived their lives was worth it, that I'm, you know, that I'm, I'm doing, I hope what I can do to make them proud. I read this beautiful thing yesterday morning about sort of taking yourself out of the center. So what Mm. if every decision was not about you being in the center, but you could replace that with nature or spirit or God or whatever it is that Mm. resonates with you. So for me, I put nature in the center. Mm. And so I think about if all of my decisions come from putting nature first, Mm. how would, how would that change it? And um, yeah, when I think about the natural world, the survivor's guilt doesn't seem as present. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I, I learn so much from you, Anjali, every day. Um, <laughs> I have just a couple more questions for you. I know our time is limited, but um, this, I guess, can be – this is kind of a two-part question, so it really is just two more questions. But um, what are your like favorite self-care practices um, during COVID times, and especially now as autumn is upon us and the Vata season is coming, um, what are your favorite ways to stay grounded and to take care of yourself during this time? Yeah, great question. So in Ayurveda, we talk about something called abhyanga, which is a form of uh, warm oil massage. It's like a self-oil body massage, self-oil application. And what you do is you warm up uh, any type of oil. You could use something like olive oil if that's what you have. Although traditionally, we look more to something like sesame oil. And if you Google Vata massage oil, you'll find like a few different ones and they're all amazing. But you warm this oil up and you apply it to your body. You really take some time to mindfully apply it to your body, lovingly apply it to your body. And then you take a hot shower or hot bath. And the point of this, I actually just learned this recently, uh, is to remove fear. So one of... Yeah, one of the, you know, translations for Vata can be fear. And Abhyanga tends to be the primary thing that you do to remove Vata or that kind of like anxious butterfly energy, mm-hmm. which we certainly can all be feeling with everything that we're living through right now, but also 
just as we transition into the Vata time of year, the fall is the time when Vata is most present. So as we transition into it, this like effervescent, anxious, energetic Mm. feeling can come. So I've been doing Abhyanga in the morning, actually like Mm. 6 or 7 a.m. and then taking a hot bath and starting my days that way. And it's so grounding and so lovely and totally indulgent and Mm. awesome for that reason. (laughs) Wow. I I love baths in the morning like before the sun rises <laughs> and I, I've always liked that and when even when I was younger and I'm like is this weird like I'm starting my day decompressing and I think that's I think that's amazing that you do that too because now I'm like okay maybe I'm not crazy um, <laughs> no yeah and is there anything any other uh little bits of self-care that you love in the fall yeah, absolutely. So the other one that I love is Tulsi, T-U-L-S-I. Tulsi okay. is holy basil. It's um, it's a form of basil that grows. You actually can grow it in California, but it's, you know, obviously really common in India. But it's an amazing herb. It has over like a hundred different qualities. It's considered the mother in Ayurveda, and you can drink a cup of it every day. And it's a wonderful immune boosting herb, and it really helps to strengthen and protect the lungs and the immune system. And it's gentle enough that anybody can drink it, just a cup of it a day. Um, And so I think as the seasons change, we have a tendency to like catch colds or migraines or allergies or some of those things that happen as we're transitioning. Mm -hmm. So Tulsi tea is a wonderful way to just give yourself a little extra boost, a little self-care. And it's also great for stress, which I know we're all under. Yes, I love Tulsi. <laughs> I love it. I know now that it's cooling down, I'm like so excited. I'm like, yay, I get to have tea again and it's not be <laughs> like really, really hot. Yeah. <laughs> tea so and exciting. soup and all the warm foods. Yes, so exciting. So I just have one last question for you that we end all of our um all of our interviews with. And um in one sentence, what does it mean to you to create well? Mm. To create well, um, I would say it means to be embodied and to be in great relationship with yourself, with others, and the environment. I love that. (laughs) So beautiful. Amazing. Anjali, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really hope this has given everyone a introduction into Ayurveda. And I hope you'll also dive in and see more about um, Anjali's work on your own and Ayurveda in general. And so thanks for being here, Anjali. Thank you. So nice to chat with you. So good to chat. And now for the Create Well Challenge of the Week. This week, the Create Well Challenge is to come up with your candle. What do we mean by that? At the beginning, I talked about how at the beginning of my studio practice, I light a candle and it kind of creates the space and the understanding that it's my time to paint. So think about the rhythms in your life that allow you to be in that space, whether it's just productivity in general or creating art or music or Mm -hmm. writing. Um, Identify what your candle is, Mm -hmm. write it down and own it. Make use of it. How do you clock in? Yes, exactly. I got to think about this. I don't know what mine is. You will come up with it this week. (laughs) 
Thank you for journeying with us in creating well. If you're interested in supporting us, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash create well. Our Patreon followers will have exclusive access to monthly live Q&As, extra photo content, and giveaways. Thank you to our first patron executive producer, Susan Anderson Nelson. This week's featured song is Graveyard by Lisa Ritchie. She's a thief, don't make her, she's your undertaker And she's nothing but a heart disease And I'm a half-time quitter, I'm a three-way spitter Cause I'm no longer in the elite So I'm tracing through the grapevine Baby, ever feel my Symptoms on 